0: Jonathan Kraft, Bloomberg Business of Sports, from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scott Sashnik. I'm Eben Novi williams And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where... Yeah, well, you see, Medina typed it out as a big we, but we know
2: that Eben's not participating. So but I wonder why Medina did that. It's part of the script. I, that's what I'm saying. So Eben should be in it, because it says it on the script. Yeah. We. 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 Mm-hmm. Barr wearing his... I called Peach. Edmund called Salmon shirt today. It's it's a salmon shirt. It is a salmon. Want to tell everybody about your antiquing this weekend?
0: <laughs> Milford just celebrated a toast. Milford to would have to help people. Milford, Milford, Pennsylvania. Thank you. That's that's, that's where I live, and uh, every year they do this. So they have wine tasting, and you go to the shops and this and that, whatever. Blah 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 blah, it, which is very nice. Now I should add, and uh, so we went antiquing. We went into one antique shop, and there.
2: Well, let it be said, by the way, you have your eye on a new television yes, set. Yes,
0: I'm saving okay. my money for a brand new television. Okay. Because I want a nice flat screen. Right.
2: Better to watch NASCAR with.
0: Right. Exactly. But sitting there was an antique cash register. Like you would see like in the Waltons. It was sweet. <laughs> I knew he was going to bring up the Waltons. <laughs> it was cool. It's an old TV show debuted in 1972. Remember the old Goodnight, John boy? Of course. That's That's where that's from. So and then they had the store there. Everybody
2: and, said good night to everybody in the family. Said
0: good night to each other at the end right. of the show. And but this but this cash register was cool until we found out it was eighteen hundred dollars. And then Linda stepped in and said, uh, "Oh hell no, that's not." I'm on Linda's happen. side. I'm on Linda's side. So. <laughs> and I you know then we I, it was a neat cash register, but I have to agree, I I, I didn't I couldn't buy it.
2: All right, well. Anyway, anyway, people are people are up on your weekend. I thought it was an important. It was kind of cool.
0: So uh, let's <laughs> let's start with the Warriors. Uh, let's start with the first thing. Let's talk about Rick Bowles, president and CEO of the Warriors. He's looking into the team's future and media ambitions. Well, everybody's
2: looking at their future as, as broadcasters, as as content owners, content creators. But it's interesting to hear Rick in an an OTT, direct-to-consumer world. Remember when he was on the program and he talked about no better time, no better team for the arena? Right, Right. You could make the same argument right now on a global basis with how popular that team is, with how popular some of the players are, that if you had, let's say, a Steph Curry cam following him around, people would pay... To see him drive to the game, drive home from the game, what does he do in his off day, that you could make a compelling channel that fans would want to watch.
1: In almost every way, the Warriors have capitalized financially on the fact that they've become this dynasty within the NBA, right? They have a new $1.3 billion arena that's opening. Certainly, sponsorships are worth so much more than they were back when the team was bad. Almost everything about the Warriors ecosystem has gotten more expensive except the local TV deal. They're they're still on the deal that they signed when they were a bad team, right? It's the nature of signing a long-term deal, Um That's going to change, obviously, in the next couple of years when they renegotiate that deal. But they have to decide kind of what direction do they want to go in. You can see the, the, the Lakers, another premium franchise, they get over $100 million a year in their local rights. Uh, the Knicks also get over $100 million. They also, you know, the ownership group that owns the Knicks also owns that network. It's a, you know, it's a it's a big family that is beyond just the basketball team. But the Warriors, as Scott said, they have a lot of options coming up. Uh, and that can be, you know, your traditional local media Global. rights TV deal. Global. Or it can be your own company.
0: So now, I've got a problem with what you were saying earlier about... Again? What? Well, even more so. <laughs> I don't want to see Steph Curry drive home from the game. Yeah, or what, people want to see that. But I want to see an isolated camera of Steph Curry playing during the game. Well, Twitter's giving you that right now. Yes, but that's what I want to see. Speaking of Steph Curry, right quick. Oh, my. Uh, let's say he was a little bit off uh, during the overtime game against the Rockets uh, this past Saturday. Steph Curry behind the back drives down a layup and misses the jam. Oh, he missed it and Harden the
2: rebound. Now, let me tell you, Barr, this is what I'm talking about. So, if you saw it, like he pretty much missed a layup dunk. Like, yeah, whoops. it was, you know, bad. yeah. And I mean, this is like, you know, your MVP, Steph. Okay. After the game, surely he was asked about it. What if, in this OTT world, what if the team had gone to him and said, you know what, Steph? You can talk about the game, whatever. Let's not address that particular play. We're going to save that for the team channel. And you're going to address that play on the team channel. And then the next day, maybe he's in his driveway and he tries it again. You know, ah, I got it down, everybody. You're like, look. And he pushes the content. How much would you pay? If you're a Warriors fan, if you're a Curry fan, what would you pay per month to get sort of this exclusive, behind-the-scenes, added stuff that you can't get anywhere else.
0: Well, look, I like Steph Curry, but I wouldn't pay for
2: that. Okay, what what would you—what <laughs> team, what player, what would you— like Detroit, let's I, it, say the Tigers offered you something like that.
0: All right, so let's say Andre Drummond, all right? Okay, Andre Drummond. All right, okay, let's, let's say—now, I could get—yes, I want the isolated camera of Drummond on the okay, court. you got it. All right. Yep. You got the isolated ISO of him walking
2: in the arena, going home, driving home, whatever you want. You get your (laughs) ISO. But I
0: don't don't want the home stuff. You would love it. Once he comes into the arena, uh, until he leaves, give me that. You know what
2: I know right now about Michael Barr if my eyes are shut? He is not under 30.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm with you, Bar. The bigger question, obviously, is is how many people out there right. are willing to pay $5.99 a month. For, let's just
2: say $1 a month. Let's just say $1 a month on a global scale. How many people around the world could I get? For this channel, if I'm a Golden State Warriors, put well, it all in my
0: pocket. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that don't have a life and they want to go and follow wow. Steph Curry. Or I'm sorry. I don't want to see Steph Curry drive home. And wow. I don't want to see it. Bar. I do not want to see it. Let the man. What was the name of that movie? Remember the Jim Carrey movie that uh, it was just an isolated Tr- Truman camera? Truman Show. Yeah, the Truman Show. Did well, didn't it? Well, that's because it was a movie. I don't want to see that. Life imitates art, my friend. Move on. All right, you're We're wrong. moving on. on here. Anyway, uh, Mid Atlantic Sports Network—they have resolved a problem uh, with the Orioles. The Orioles controlled Mid Atlantic Sports Network. They must pay. Uh, the Nationals, I'm sorry. I said the, no.
2: You know, no, the Orioles do and, control and the, the network. Did, 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 this has been a right, fight true. that has been going on for years. As part of their agreeing, the Orioles agreeing to give up the Washington territory to the Nationals, because when the Expos right. moved, they had to get the okay from the Orioles, right. they got the right to control a majority of the television network that shows both the Orioles and the Nationals. But after a while, when the value of sports rights shot up, The Nationals said, hmm, you know what? We think we're getting jobbed here. We are not getting anywhere near market value for what we could get on the open market. And mister Novi Novy-Williams, guess what? Seems like uh, others agree with them.
1: Yeah, this is a ruling uh, from a, a closed ruling, but the, the Baltimore Sun, I believe, got some details. A ruling of an MLB arbitration panel.
2: It's all Major League Baseball um, owners and executives. Yeah,
1: so essentially from the date 2012 to 2016, I believe, is the five-year span, uh, this panel says that, 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 that Masson, the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, owes the nationals, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Their estimate is that it will end up to be between sixty and seventy million dollars. Essentially as you said, Scott, by, you know, making up for the difference in what they probably should have been paid versus what they what they were paid. Um, but you're right, and, and this the, the dates here date back to two thousand twelve. The real kind of fight dates back to two thousand five yep. when when the expos moved from Montreal to Washington DC. Um, and yeah, this is a, This a, is not a fun an little insignificant little at, amount
2: yeah. of money that is now being taken away. I don't want to say being taken away right. that the Orioles will not reap, I should say. It's not an insignificant amount of money and you wonder moving forward what the implications might be.
1: No, and it won't change the ownership structure at no. all, right? No. The, as it is right now, the Orioles own 79% of the of the television network and the and the Nationals own the other 21%. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly a, and baseball operates differently from a lot of other sports in terms of like the importance of local revenue and the importance of local TV revenue, right? So so if the the money the Orioles thought they were making from their ownership stake in Masson, if that shifts down considerably, that could have kind of serious ramifications on you know the business structure of the it team. Not if it is. Yeah.
2: Like, yeah, I mean, they might appeal, yada, yada. But if you look at the market value and what has happened with sports television rights, one could, I would think, easily assess that the Nationals on the open market could have gotten more. Mm.
1: And and there's an option here for the Orioles to appeal. I don't believe there's been a decision made on that yet, but I wouldn't be shocked. The Orioles have for a while asked for this to be ruled on by an arbitrator that was not part of the Major League Baseball ecosystem, so they may be pushing to try to get this thing appealed uh, to an independent arbitrator.
0: All right, let me step back for a second. Is this like renegotiating a deal that has already been done, so why... Is this allowed to happen now? I mean, once you sign the paper. Thank you, att- Mr. Angel. Thank you, Mr. Angelos. I'm just saying, once you <laughs> sign the paper, that's
2: it, man. It's like well, one can argue about what market value is at a time. Um, I, you need to see the specific language in in the contract, of course. But I can tell you from day one, having one team own a majority of the network, showing both games and allocating a certain dollar figure. It didn't take a genius to say this, at some point, could be problematic. It just happened more quickly than anybody thought.
1: Yeah, and to further answer your question, Michael, the, from what I understand, and I don't understand all the details, but I think there are kind of two parts of this. There was one, the part about how much the Orioles, or how much Masson was paying the Nationals for the rights to their games. And then there was another part about profit sharing and the accounting by which those profits were they're still,
2: And they're still fighting about whether they're using they're still proper accounting,
1: that. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of how you get, you know, you get the situation where six years later, you're still arguing about what was owed to a team, um, even though there is, I'm sure, a contract of some nature that that has some, some of this written in stone.
0: Let's talk about the XFL. Vince McMahon's reboot of the XFL has struck television deals with Fox and Walt Disney and will make its debut one week after next year's Super Bowl.
2: Bar, what's the most important thing if you're going to start a sports league? What's the most important thing you've got to solidify? The product. Well, of course. But, <laughs> hey,
1: what? Yeah, good uh, answer. You need to have players. Good okay, answer. I'm sorry. I, I, I overstepped
2: the obvious. Yeah. After that, what's the most important thing? Well, you want a good media deal. You need a media deal. Yes. Um, the AAF media deal was sometimes a little digital heavy, not easy to find. Vince McMahon learned a little something. Um, yeah. Eben, you wrote a, a few graphs on this. It's... It's a it's a a network friendly over the air TV. There is some cable component too, but you're going to be able to find your XFL if you want it.
1: Yeah, more than half of the of the regular season games are going to be on broadcast television networks. Um, that's NBC, that's ABC and that's Fox. The rest of them are going to be on those, those cable affiliates, ESPN and ESPN Two, and then FS One and FS Two. Uh, but I agree with you, Scott. the 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 ability to get more than half of your regular season games Not on a broadcast yeah. network uh, is is a great result for the XFL. Um, the The final, of the championship game is going to be on uh, on Sunday, April twenty sixth on ESPN. Um, but more so, they, they've laid out, and this is kind of what the AAF did as well. There's a very strict structure to the way these games are going to be played, right? There's two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Eight-team league, everyone's playing every week, but that's the way they're, they're structuring it, which I think is interesting. I mean, I think it's probably a smart, a smart way to do it.
0: I would like to see the the helmet cam. I always thought it was cool. <laughs> they, got a, they have to have
2: that. They uh, should have the helmet, have a player drive home with the helmet cam on. I'm going right <laughs> back
1: there. I'm going right back there, brother. I'm going right
0: back there. It's going to be cool, though. I like
1: it. Another small note for people who are wondering according to uh, Sports Business Journal, there's no rights fee being paid here, right? So, So ESPN and Fox Sports, they're not paying anything to the XFL to do this, they're covering the costs of the production of the games. Not insignificant, Which is about four hundred thousand dollars a game, um, but it's not like you know the, these companies are are ponying up a big upfront fee to get their hands on XFL rights.
0: I, I'm I'm hoping that this reboot works because I, as we all know the the AAF just ploof, and I still the AAF
2: doesn't need that cash register either. <laughs> 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 if this was our print story, it's coming back this. to the lead. That's why I brought it back to where we started.
0: Uh, yes. Full circle, bar. Cha-ching. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. If You don't know what Scott's talking about. you got to go back to the beginning Yeah, you got to listen to the beginning
2: of the show. Uh,
0: I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Sosnick and Evan L.B. Williams.
1: Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. I, I think Evan just went right
0: above my
2: line. Uh, like, uh, there was a week. We? There's a, we're here every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, blah, 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 we all know it because you listen to the show. You know who listens to the show, by the way? Barron says hello. Who? And I hope he reaches out now. Brian Herbst, NASCAR senior VP, yes. oversees broadcasting innovation, says he's a loyal loyal listener to the show um, and was very happy that you are
0: big NASCAR guy. Huge NASCAR. In fact, I got to get home because uh, they're running the uh, Dover Nova race at noon. It was washed out Sunday.
2: Yeah, we didn't, because I wasn't here. Did you guys talk about uh, NASCAR and the betting? NASCAR is jumping on this sports betting train. You're right. They're going to have a lot of in-race products. Right. You know, the data analytics and the algorithms will spin, and you're going to have prop bets. I think it's something you're going to love, buddy.
0: I did a minute business of sports on that. Oh, there you go. Which was cool. But we didn't get to talk about it during the show.
2: Do the end end line again. Oh, hey,
0: you're listening (laughs) to Bloomberg (laughs) (laughs) Live. The Bloomberg business of sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, where you get your podcast.